This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. But obviously the highlight of this game was what happened in the ninth inning. For some reason, Brooks Raley wasn't available. So he goes to Adam Montevino, who's terrible when he pitches back-to-back games, gives up a home run to Suzuki 4-3 game, gives up a base hit to Candelario, mistakenly uses his third pickoff attempt or disengagement and allows Candelario as the tying run to go to second with nobody out, walks Mike Tockman, and then Buck Showalter did something that Adam Montevino still can't believe. He walked out to the mound and took him out of the game. And I loved it because there was no sign in those first three batters that Adovino faced that he was going to somehow magically turn this thing around and get three outs before allowing the tying or go-ahead run to score. So even though the option was Phil Bickford, who, I mean, no one has faith in Phil Bickford, especially in his brief time here with the Mets, I kind of agreed with Buck saying, let me get out of Eno out of the game. I'd rather try something different. And Phil Bickford, shockingly, you know, he gets the bunt out, which is whatever basic, because Nick Madrigal was giving himself up to advance the runners. He strikes out Christopher Morrell shockingly on a fastball down the middle, walks Nico Horner, and then strikes out Ian Happ. Were you now, Pete, you were did you stay through the conclusion of this game, or since you were with your family, who's filled with Yankee fans, did you leave early? No, we were there the entire game, my friend. How stunned were you that Phil Bickford was able to get out of it? Like I said, I was I was waiting for the grand slam to take place, and I was okay with it. I was I chalked it up as this is this is another game in twenty twenty three that's not going to go our way. Adam Ottavino sucked, and he got booed. And again, like I don't want to sit here and try to boo guys and whatnot and say they deserve it, but that was you put us in a bad situation. We've been the, the game was in our hand. Alonzo had the big home run. McNeil had a big home run, and we're we're right where we're supposed to be. And he puts us in that spot, and then Bickford comes in, and you automatically think that this game is just going to go downhill because I've seen him so far, and he has life on the fastball, which is good. That's kind of what they need. They need some velocity from these from from these relievers. Problem is they they can also take it out of the ballpark. Yeah, I as far as booing out of Eno's concern, I think you're booing the performance. You're booing the fact he comes in, he gives up a home run. He forgets how many disengagements there were and allows the tying run to go to second base. He was, he was bad. And he had a stunned look on his face when Buck came out. I think he mouthed, I can't believe it, or you got to be kidding me. So he was obviously very taken back that he was pulled from this game, but he, he, he was awful. I mean, I, you know what else is there to say? Like he just he wasn't good, and but that, was- yeah, and then that's the thing though. Ev. Like like it's about fucking time. Excuse my language, but it's about time that Buck says this, this is unwatchable. Your ass is out of here. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, except he did it with a very unreliable reliever, but somehow it worked. <laughs> I mean, he, got, he got freaking lucky. <laughs> and the Mets won this game and they won the series, which means I'm on my way to being right. Uh, during the drunk Rico, I predicted a 5-5 five and five homestand that would start off by winning two out of three against the Cubbies. I think you said a 2-8 and eight homestand. So unless the Mets lose their final seven games of this homestand, it looks like they are going to overperform Pete Hoffman's expectations. Well, wait a second. Hold on. Look who's coming to town this week. <laughs> no, I know. Oh, trust me. I know who's coming to town this week. The big bad, first place, Atlanta Braves. Uh, let's get to a couple of your emails, including one topic I definitely want to bring up because um, here's my excuse for not knowing this or forgetting this. Not It's not not knowing it. It's just completely forgetting its existence. I never thought we would have to spend time on an August Rico Bronia talking about the 2024 MLB draft. But here we are. So Frank Fooder brings it up. I wanted to expand on this upcoming draft. The draft is now a lottery, similar to the NBA, meaning the Mets will not be guaranteed a top six pick if they finish in the bottom six records. But it also means they still have a chance if they don't. Any chance Rob Manfred rigs it since he probably isn't a fan of Cohen. Excuse me for a second. (coughs) Sorry. Choking up, thinking about their freaking MLB draft lottery. (laughs) So, So Frank is right. Here are the rules of the MLB draft lottery. All right. Each team is given odds to jump and pick number one overall. The top six slots are selected by the lottery. So he's right. Like, even if the Mets finish with, let's say, the 10th best record in Major League Baseball, they can still jump. In fact, if you go to Tankathon, which is a website we've used for the NBA and the NFL over the years, looking at, hey, where a team is selecting in the draft, they even have a draft simulator. So, for example, if I go there right now, in fact, well, let me do that. Let's have some fun. Let's go to the MLB draft Tankathon. Uh, we can play the lottery simulator together. So right now, the Mets have the ninth best record in Major League Baseball. That doesn't mean they're picking ninth. There's a lottery. When you have the ninth best, uh, ninth worst record, you have a 2.7% chance of jumping to number one. I'm about to hit the sim lottery button. Let's see where the Mets end up picking. You ready? The New York Mets moved down one slot. They are now picking 10th in the draft. Which actually actually means 20th, because remember, uh, they would have to move back 10 slots if they aren't in the top six. But you know who jumped up in the lottery? The New York Yankees. The New York Yankees went from picking 16th to 6th. How about that? Uh, And they're 59 and 56 as of this recording. So even though they had a .48 chance to win the lottery, they somehow jumped from 16th to 6th. I'm going to simulate the lottery one more time. We are picking ninth. Let me simulate it one more time. We are picking 10th. I'm going to simulate it one more time. We are picking ninth. I'm going to simulate it one more time. We're picking 10th. It seems like we have no lottery luck. We're picking 10th again. Now we're picking 11th. So basically, <laughs> we, we are the Knicks of, of baseball. Yes. <laughs> yeah, apparently. So... Frank is right, though. If the Mets lose games and end up in that bottom six, that doesn't even guarantee that their draft pick wouldn't move back 
the 10 slots. They, they also have the possibility of winning the lottery and getting the number one overall pick, which would not be affected by being over the luxury tax where they have to move back 10 slots. They wouldn't move back 10 slots if they're in the top six of the draft, but it is not automatic. You actually have to, after the lottery, be in the bottom six. So if you finish with one of the three worst records, which clearly is going to be Oakland and Kansas City, we'll see about the third, probably the White Sox. But they get. But then again, if they play the Yankees all the time, they'll move up those standings quick. You have a 16.5% chance of winning. So they have the bottom three teams at 16.5%. Then it goes down to 13.25%. Then it goes to 10%, 7%, and so on it moves down. So that is something to keep an eye on, that the lottery does exist. And that could end up effing the New York Mets or helping the New York Mets. Uh, let's get to a couple more of your emails. Uh, Junior Canales writes, big fan of the podcast, been listening since 1995. Well, we appreciate that. Even before Rico Bronia made his Met debut, you've been listening to the uh, Rico Bronia. Because remember, he made his Met debut in 1995. Wait a second. Maybe that's why Junior wrote that. That makes a lot of sense now. Uh, I want to ask you guys two questions. Do you think the Mets would make a ton of sense during the offseason for a player like Cody Bellinger? We need a power lefty in the lineup. He can play all three outfield positions and first base and would make the lineup deeper. Yeah, I think Cody Bellinger, especially off of the year he's having this year, would be a great addition. The Mets could use an outfielder. I think that you're going to pencil in Nimmo in center as much as Starling Marte's had a terrible year this year and he's back on the injured list with this groin issue. He's going to be the starting right fielder. I don't see a scenario where he's not. I don't think the Mets are going to try to buy off his contract to send him out, but it does leave left field wide open. You could go internal. I think it's likely they're going to go internal. Uh, I think Bellinger would be a good fit, but I think it's unrealistic because if the Mets are going to spend money, I would assume it's going to be mostly on pitching. I don't think they're going to buy a bat like Bellinger, who's going to be expensive coming off of the year he's coming off of. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, and there's no, and I got to be honest, I, I'm kind of over, like, I love that, that the fact that we have money, we are going to spend it. And we could go out and buy a bat. And I got to be honest, I'm actually very comfortable. And I'm, I, I had, didn't say it last year. I didn't say going to this this free agency period either. I always said, we need a bat, we need a bat, we need a bat. We don't. Because you could throw McNeil at left field. You could throw Beatty at left field. Who knows, maybe Mauricio. But you have Alvarez at catcher who plays every day. 
He's putting 20-plus home runs there. You have three guys that will give you 20-plus home runs. And, and then if you can get one other prospect to start hitting, you're golden. I also think it's not that they couldn't use a good veteran addition. It's that you're going to use your money for pitching. And I'd prioritize it a hell of a lot more than I would adding another bat. His second question is, do you think Roman Reigns drops the title to Cody at WrestleMania? My answer to that is yes. I don't think there's any question. I know there's a thought of a bloodline fatal four-way. Cody's over, man. And I wasn't in favor of Cody winning at this year's WrestleMania, but I'm certainly moving in the direction that he should win at next year's WrestleMania. Steve Johnson writes, I agree with sending Beatty down. I might be in the minority, but I actually agree with the Mets that sending Beatty down. He's been struggling, and maybe some time in AAA will get him back on track. It's sad to think that at the beginning of the year, he was looked at by many baseball writers as a potential rookie of the year. What I would find fascinating is that when I checked to see Beatty was in the Syracuse, Syracuse lineup Tuesday night, he wasn't, and instead Mauricio was playing third base, and the same is the case for tonight. He means Wednesday or Tuesday. I don't think the Mets have handled Mauricio well, but at least he's playing third base now. He might actually be the third baseman of the future. This goes to show you, though, that you just never know with prospects. Vientos doesn't impress me. Beatty is struggling, and Mauricio should have been here months ago, and I just think the organization really botched that. Do you think we have a third base controversy now? I think where the Mets botched things is that Ronnie Mauricio should have been playing other positions years ago. You knew Francisco Lindor is signed long-term. You know this guy can break through at the major league level maybe a year or two from now. Why not start having him play other positions? That doesn't mean he should never play shortstop. I think there's a value in him still playing shortstop. He can be, once he's here, the main backup for Francisco Lindor. I think it takes the roster pressure off of you. Uh, You don't necessarily need to have a backup shortstop on your roster if Ronnie Mauricio can play shortstop, even if he's just starting third baseman or starting left fielder or whatnot. So I think the, the mistake that they made was they should have had him playing these other positions years ago. I don't know if we have a controversy yet. Uh, I got to see Mauricio play third base. Is he going to play a better third base than he did second base in left field? Can Beatty play an average outfield? And also, we can't forget DH exists. The Mets do not have a long-term DH on this roster. I think ideally you want the DH to almost be a rest position where it's not one guy clogging it up every single day. But I think Ronnie Mauricio and Brett Beatty could end up both playing third base a considerable amount of time. They both, or Beatty could play a lot of left field and Beatty can DH. I think there's a lot of options with that. A lot of options. Richard Molina writes, we all agree that for the Mets to have any shot at being compatible next year, I think he means competitive next year, they need to address the starting pitching. You believe that Urias is the best pitcher not named Otani out there and want the Mets to target and acquire him. How have the Mets shown us they will have any interest in doing so? They repeatedly do not show interest in guys that require them to give up a draft pick compensation. Of course, he's talking about the qualifying offer. Maybe they're thinking that may change if they're in the bottom six. Do their trades make it popable? Does thinking it changing of the picks, does their thinking change if the picks are 40 to 50? I expect us to go more flattery. Uh, Jack Flaherty, Lucas Giolito route, and the guy from Japan. 
I still think the most logical option is to take any combination of Vientos, McNeil, Mauricio, Vassal, Pareda, Stewart for Corbin Burns, Shane Bieber, a true number one from a small market team that has no hope to keep them. So as far as the draft pick compensation is concerned, you are right that the Mets over the last few years has not, they have not shown an interest in giving up a draft pick, which you have to give up if you sign a pitcher or anybody who is offered the qualifying offer. Julio Urias will 1,000% be made the qualifying offer. Here are the rules around the Mets, just to have the facts straight. If they sign somebody who has made the qualifying offer, and you are a team that exceeded the luxury tax in the preceding season, which is the New York Mets, obviously, you will lose your second and fifth highest selections in the following year's draft, as well as $1 million from its international bonus pool for the upcoming upcoming signing period. If such a team signs multiple qualifying offer free agents, it's going to forfeit its third and sixth highest remaining picks as well. That group of teams includes the Mets, the Dodgers, the Padres, the Phillies, the Red Sox, the Yankees. Um, to me, Giving up your second and fifth pick in the draft, not your first pick in the draft, okay? That's not even a possibility here. It's your second and fifth pick. Remember two years ago, the Mets had multiple first-round picks because they failed to sign uh, uh, Kumar Rocker. That second first-round pick qualified as the second pick they'd have to give up. So obviously, the Mets were not going to have any interest in giving up a first-round pick. In this case, it's your second pick and it's your fifth pick. Would that be worth giving up to sign a Julio Urias or Shohei Otani? Absolutely. Are there lesser free agents where I'd say, eh, it's not really worth giving that up? Sure. I mean, I, I understand that. I don't think we want to just look at draft picks as useless. No one's saying they are or a million dollars in international bonus money. It's obviously important. But when you have a chance to get elite level players, especially in Urias's case because he's still so young. And I'm loving the fact he's having a terrible year uh, because all of a sudden, like I was watching, I was reading a, a free agent ranking of the upcoming class. And Julio Urias was like 12th. I'm looking at this thing. Have you not been paying attention? I know he's having a bad year this year. The guy had the best ERA in the National League last year. The guy goes out there and makes almost all his starts. And he's 26, 27 years old. And he's a lefty. And he's done in the biggest spots in the world. Uh, to me, that's a top free agent. <laughs> you want to say Shoei Otani's number one? Of course he's number one. But who's number two? Who's number three? He should be right up on top of that list. And, and I would not be afraid of giving up a second and fifth round pick to sign a pitcher as good as that. You with me on that? Uh, yeah, at this stage, yeah. Because what else do we have to look at? <laughs> Anybody else... In this in this roster, I mean, I you need something to fill it out, and I would take a risk there, one hundred percent. And it's not just one of the better pitchers available this off season, but I'm looking at the next two, three off seasons. The Mets are gonna have to build a rotation through free agency and trades because the young pitchers coming up the pipeline, like Christian Scott, like Mike Vassell, uh, like Tyler Stewart. I don't know unless you hit the lottery that those guys are going to be your front-end starting pitchers on a playoff contending team. It's very, very unlikely. Those guys may be in the rotation. Those guys may be better than the way they're projected. But they're going to have to, even if it's not this year, it's going to be next year or the year after. 
even if the, you buy this whole, hey, they, they may not compete in 24. They're going to compete in 25. Okay. Who's pitching in 25? Like you have to go down the same route either way. So why not do it now? You know what I mean? Like, why would you then wait two or three years? <sighs> but we certainly have a lot of time to discuss all this. Bottom line is the Mets beat the Cubs. They won two out of three. And I leave you with this. They are only six games back in the loss column in the National League wildcard race. <laughs> I know that's crazy. I know it doesn't mean anything because after this weekend with Atlanta, that number will change very, very quickly. But as of right now, six games back in the loss column in the National League wildcard race. The next Rico, I will be home. I will be off vacation. I'll record it right after the Brave series. It's a four-game series in three days, doubleheader on Saturday, Sunday night baseball, Sunday night. So it'll be a late one. You'll probably have it in your, uh, you know, wherever you download podcasts by Monday morning. And I'll be back on the air Monday at Jet or Giant Camp. I forget which day we're doing first. I know we're doing Jet Camp. We're doing Giant Camp on Monday, Jet Camp Tuesday. How do you know this? How do you know my schedule? Look at you. Well, because we're all going to be at Giants Camp, and I'm not going to be at Jets Camp, unfortunately. So that's why I'm Uh a little jealous. (laughs) That that, That makes sense. Okay, so Giant Camp on Monday. Jet camp on Tuesday. Beautiful. All right. Well, we will talk to you then. And before that on the Rico, you can obviously email the pod, the Rico B at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 